0: This is Relatively Prime, a year in the mathematical domain. I am Samuel Hansen. It is the end of another year and the start of a new one. One which is going to be very big for me personally, as I'm going to be starting a new job in a new state, which I'm sure I'm going to be talking about a lot more on upcoming episodes. All of this excitement for me, though, means that I have spent this whole last month getting ready for the new job and taking care of my move. But even with all of this going on, I did not want to leave y'all without your mathematical podcast fix. So... For this end-of-the-year episode, I'm going to share with y'all an episode of the Math Maths podcast that I used to produce with my friend and podcasting partner, Peter Rowlett, who you probably heard earlier this month on the bonus Maths Jam live recording. For our end-of-year Math Math episodes, we would do a year in review, but with a special twist. One which I'm sure you are going to enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Math Maths Podcast. I'm Peter Ollett, and in a moment you'll also hear Samuel Hansen. This podcast is brought to you by Pulse Project at pulse-project.org. People who've been listening for a while, or have listened back to the archive, may remember that last January we decided to do a review of the year, and rather than choose the obvious option of 2010, we did a review of 1910. Well this year we're going to carry on the trend and do a review of 1811. So first of all I'll give you a little background. So we're in a period of Napoleonic Wars in Europe. The Regency in Britain, this is Madness of King George III Territory. James Madison is US President. The slave trade was recently outlawed throughout the British Empire, but slavery is not yet abolished. Over on the math half of our conversation, the Louisiana Purchase is recent. Lewis and Clark have recently found a way to the Pacific, so America is in westward expansion. Britain and America are between the War of Independence and the War of 1812, so presumably not friendly, and we're about 50 years away from the American Civil War. In mathematics, it's almost 100 years since the deaths of Newton and Leibniz, about a 100 years since Taylor series, 50 years since the death of Thomas Bayes, about 30 years since the death of Euler. This is a period of history in which applications abound. Steam-powered machines, via James Watt and all that, are driving an industrial revolution, but this is not yet in full swing uh, until later in the century. We don't yet have steam-powered ships, railways, etc in fact this is an era of canal building in England, but Watts patent on his steam engine has expired, which has opened up the field to a host of inventors. We're still fairly early in electricity. By 1811 we had practical methods for generating electricity by friction using electrostatic machines, and people have been experimenting in earnest for over a hundred years. We have a link between lightning and electricity, a convention of positive and negative electricity and suggestion of a link between magnetism and electricity but no formal theory of electromagnetism via Ampere and all that. But there are many theories of electricity which have been proposed. Recent years have seen the first battery and the first public demonstration of the electric arc light. We know electricity can be transported over a distance. We've had early experiments in telegraph systems, but the technology is not yet widespread. Still to come, well Ohm's work on resistance, George Green, who would write on electricity and magnetism and is the subject of one of our Math Maths History Tour videos, was working in his father's brand new mill. Kelvin Maxwell Stokes and all that lot who took up Green's work in that video were all yet to be born. Faraday was apprenticed to a bookbinder and reading wildly, but yet to be appointed to the Royal Institution. In other areas, George Boole isn't born for four years, Riemann for fifteen. William Rowan Hamilton is a boy of six. Lobachevsky received a master's degree in physics and mathematics this year, but we don't yet have non-Euclidean geometry. Mobius is studying mathematics at university. Cauchy is in his first job as a junior engineer working on a potential naval base for Napoleon and is starting to publish mathematics in his spare time. Byron was a young man publishing his first works and touring around the Mediterranean on a great big gap year, but Ada Lovelace wasn't yet born. Babbage was a young man studying mathematics at Cambridge. So hopefully that sets the scene for our Year of Interest 1811.
2: Carl Friedrich Gauss first came to our attention when he cheekily summed 1 to 100 in his head quickly, very much to the dismay of his teacher, who we think may have put forth that challenge so that he could take a nap. After that, Gauss continued his path down the mathematical road, and then came his Disquisitions Arithmetic, which was published in 1801. This is a very important text. Not only did it introduce the now well-known equal sign, it also contained a proof of quadratic reciprocity, an analysis of binary and ternary quadratic forms, primality tests, and of course, it contained the constructability criteria for regular polygons. Since then, he has proved the fundamental theorem of algebra, that every single variable polynomial over complex numbers has at least one root, predicted the dwarf planet Ceres' position to a half a degree using conic sections, and eventually published the theory of motion of the celestial bodies moving in conic sections around the sun, which we here at MathMaths think will be a standard in astronomical computation for centuries to come. It also introduced the Gauss gravitational constant and proved that the least squares method falls under the normally distributed errors assumption. Now don't forget, Gauss is still only 34 years old right now and probably has many more productive years in his future.
1: Fourier had backed the French Revolution and seems to be doing rather well under Napoleon, having worked as a scientific adviser to Napoleon's invasion of Egypt, and is now working in administration, effectively in local government, I think. During this time, he did important mathematical work on the theory of heat. His work on this topic began around 1804, and by 1807 he had completed his important memoir on the propagation of heat in solid bodies. This was read to the Paris Institute on 21st of December 1807, and initially caused controversy. The Institute set, as a prize competition subject, the propagation of heat and solid bodies for the 1811 Mathematics Prize. Fourier submitted his 1807 memoir, together with additional work on the cooling of infinite solids and terrestrial and radiant heat. Fourier was awarded the prize, but with a negative comment from the review panel about generality and rigour. This work was finally published in 1822 as Analytic Theory of Heat. This makes widely available the techniques of Fourier analysis.
2: You may know the name Mary Grieg for her silver medal award-winning solution to one of the mathematical repository problems this year. But we know a lot more about her We actually know her by the name of Mary Somerville. And we know this because this year, a book of history fell out of a very worm-like hole in our ceiling. And the next story that you will hear on this show will also come from information that we garnered through that book. But let us continue to talk about Mary Somerville. She was born in 1780 in Scotland, and she did not receive much education from her family. She only became learned by extensive reading, which her family actively discouraged since they viewed it as unladylike. Around 13, she became interested in math through exposure to Euclid. Then she managed to become obsessed with it because her brother's tutor allowed her access to math books. Mary's parents even became worried for her health because of the late nights that she spent studying. She eventually married at age 24, but her husband Samuel Grieg did not appreciate her studies. He ended up dying only three years later. As a matter of fact, it was this year, 1811. But thanks to this wonderful book, We know that she will apparently marry a William Somerville, who will not only respect but encourage her studies. Mary Somerville will explore many sciences beyond mathematics, including, but not limited to, botany, geology, and astronomy, and she will publish many academic papers and books, many of which will be highly influential. Mary Somerville will end up being known primarily for showing just how capable women are in science. This is very important because right now, women are not exactly known for their scientific acumen. She will also be known for maintaining an extensive network of connections to the most learned in Europe. In fact, a certain Ada Lovelace will be introduced to a Charles Babbage through her. And this is apparently going to be a very important duo to do with something called computers. Mary Somerville will eventually be given the name, the queen of 19th century science.
1: Lagrange is known to me for Lagrangian mechanics, a branch of analysis based on Newton's mechanics. He also worked in dynamics, fluid mechanics, astronomy, probability, foundations of calculus, number theory, even early work in the prelude to group theory. In 1811, he was busy revising his Analytical Mechanics, first published in 1788, which summarised all work on mechanics since Newton, but he would die in two years' time with the work incomplete. Laplace also worked in many areas, including Mechanics, Cosmology and Probability. In fact, his work Analytical Theory of Probability, putting probability on a sound mathematical footing, would be published next year. He was perhaps also working on mechanics and physics, because in the next few years he publishes work on sound, heat, motion of the earth, and elastic fluids. In recent years, Poisson had published important work building on Lagrange and Laplace in mechanics. In 1811, he published a two-volume treatise on the mechanics of materials, from which we get Poisson's ratio. So when a material is compressed in one direction, it tends to expand in the other two directions, perpendicular to the direction of compression. And conversely, if the material is stretched rather than compressed, it usually tends to contract in the directions transverse to the direction of stretching. This phenomenon is called the Poisson effect, and Poisson's ratio is a measure of this effect. So we're talking here about elasticity, the physical property of a material that returns to its original shape after an external force that made it deform or distort is removed. In 1808, the Institute of France set a prize competition with the following challenge. Formulate a mathematical theory of elastic surfaces and indicate just how it agrees with empirical evidence apparently most mathematicians did not attempt to solve the problem because lagrange had said that mathematical methods available were inadequate to solve it marie sophie germain was the only entrant but her work did not win the award she had not derived her hypothesis from principles of physics LaGrange, who was one of the judges, extended her work. The contest deadline was extended by two years, and again she submitted the only entry, based on LaGrange's work based on her work, but could not give a satisfactory derivation of LaGrange's equations from physical principles. For this work she received an honourable mention. Her third attempt, in the reopened contest of 1815, was deemed worthy of the prize of a medal of one kilogram of gold, although deficiencies in its mathematical rigour remained. Apparently Poisson, her chief rival on the subject of elasticity, and also a judge of the contest, sent a laconic and formal acknowledgement of her work, avoided any serious discussion with her, and ignored her in public. The MacTutor website, which is linked in the show notes, quotes a biography, saying... Although it was Germaine who first attempted to solve a difficult problem, when others of more training, ability, and contact built upon her work and elasticity became an important scientific topic, she was closed out. Women were simply not taken seriously. She continued to work on this and other problems, even when she had breast cancer.
2: Finally, straight from the pad of Reginald, the Math Maths Prophet, comes this story. Reginald says that in this year, 1811, on October 5th, a great mathematician was born in France. A mathematician that will change everything. Reginald says that this mathematician's name is Everest Galois. Reginald foresees that this boy's life will be hard, a prodigy. Reading math way above his age, teachers will not see his genius, and he will be stifled. He will attempt to enter a great university, but again, he will not be noticed. He will grow as a mathematician, working in continued fractions and equation theory, but it won't get published. Eventually, some of his work will come out but the great groundbreaking work will only be published after his death he will be active politically and he'll be thrown in jail for dissidents more than once then less than 21 years after his birth gawa will be felled in a duel but only after a night where he wrote down his most important mathematical thoughts, thoughts that will become the backbone of what will eventually be known as abstract algebra, specifically an area that will be known, at least according to the math-maths prophet Reginald, as
0: Galois theory. (laughs) And that is all the time we have for this month's episode of Relatively Prime. I want to thank Peter Rowlett for being my favorite mathematical co-host and for letting me use this episode of Math Maths in Relatively Prime. I also want to thank The Pulse Project, who you can find over at pulse-project.org for hosting the 128 episodes of Math Maths that we did. Most importantly, though, I want to thank all of my patrons on Patreon, because without y'all, I would not be able to make this show. If you want to support the show, too, you can head on over to relprime.com support or patreon.com relprime. The music in this episode was from Lucas Gonze, who you can find over at SoundCloud or in the show notes for this episode at relprime.com. As always, Relatively Prime is licensed with a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. So feel free to remix it however you want, as long as you say it came from Relatively Prime. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you not only have a Matherific month, but also a whole Matherific 2019. Bye, y'all.